Welcome to the One Signal Podcast, where we aim to educate listeners on product industry and best practices to build a great customer messaging practice. This is your host, Josh Wetzel. We've got a great guest for you today, Yodel Mobile founder and CEO, Mick Rigby. Mick started Yodel Mobile 13 years ago, and last year was given the Outstanding Contribution to the App Industry Award at the App Promotion Summit. And the agency has been named App Growth Agency of the Year several times and helped bring startups to life, such as Yolt and established giants, NBC Universal, Fuji Film, Stereo, and The Economist, to just name a few, and help them succeed in mobile. Mick brings 30 plus years of marketing expertise and tremendous amount of mobile specific knowledge to us to help us understand what it takes to be successful with a launch and ongoing evolution of a mobile product. Mick, we really appreciate you joining us today. Welcome to the One Signal Podcast. Oh, Josh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. How are you doing today? Uh, really good, really good. It's a beautiful day here on the south coast of England. And uh, yeah, it's later on in the day. So I know I've only got a couple more hours before I get the beer out of the fridge. So yeah, everything's good. Nice. And are you, I, I, you know, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but you based in Brighton? Yeah, I, I live in Brighton. Our office, uh, our headquarters are up in London. So I've been able to uh, to work from home and make the most of living on the seaside. That's awesome. Brighton's a great spot. I've been there a couple times and it's a fun college town. Is that considered a college town? It is. Yeah. There's, uh, we've got two universities here, a uh, very young population, a very colorful population, and also uh, a very big digital and tech scene. Well, one of, one of the best actually in, in the UK down here. So there's a lot of creativity, a lot of, a lot of great stuff, a lot of good meetups um, happen down here. But, you know, previously I was in London, so I missed most of it. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe working a little bit more from home in the future when things go back to normal and, and, and perhaps benefiting from, from living down here a bit more. That's awesome. So let's start with some context of, of your background. You know, how'd you get started in marketing and, and, and particularly the agency journey? Yeah, well, as you mentioned in, in your great intro, so thank you very much for that. But uh, we launched Jodel about 13 or so years ago. It kind of came about by happen chance. I, I my background is advertising and marketing, big agency. I set my first business up in 2000, which was a comms planning business. And one of my clients, who was the ex CMO for Match.com at the time, gave me a call and said, "Hey, just got into this mobile business. We're launching." a mobile gaming site, can you help? And uh, I said, well, I can try and find somebody that can help you and, you know, phone my address book of contacts in the digital space. And everybody's like, well, no, we don't know anything about this mobile thing. So I just got back to him and said, look, you know what? Why don't we give it a go? And and that's really how it came about. That's cool. And, and this was pre-Apple iPhone app marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. We actually launched the business before the iPhone had launched. So it was, you know, it was all Nokia back in the day, a lot of dot WAP. Um, There was no app infrastructure, no app marketplace at all. So it was, it was very much the crazy days of the Wild West. In fact, we launched a mobile business, but we had to call ourselves Yodel Digital back in the day, because if you said to businesses, hey, we're in the mobile space, they go, what? Yeah, you know, they, they would think it'd be transportation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'll jump on the back of the bus kind of thing. And was it Nokia or BlackBerry or were, were you, do, but like in the match example, were you building for both platforms or just .wap irrespective of platform? 
Yeah, so a lot of it was Nokia at the time. I mean, you know, it's crazy to think back then. You you know, Nokia and BlackBerry were the two, yep. were the two giants. You know, how the mighty have fallen. And you know, interestingly enough, back then there was a lot of resistance from those guys, the, those businesses to you know the upstarts, the, the the Apple as it was, and then a couple of years later when Google launched, I think it was the was it Google One, which was the first Android phone. Yeah, there was a lot of pushback. Because, you know, that that I guess there was that, and I use the term lightly, but arrogance of being the leaders in the marketplace and, you know, looking at these youngsters coming to place and going, nah, they've got no chance. We're so dominant. And fast forward 14 years and the world has changed completely in terms of the dominant players in the space. Yeah. I always recall this article I read around 2011 or 2012. It was an insider take on the Nokia board meeting when they discussed the iPhone. And there was a lot of arrogance in the quotes, basically something to the effect, no one will ever use a, a phone without a keyboard and like, this is dumb and this will be niche and, and so on. So yeah. uh, it is, it is funny to think back. I think most, a lot of people listening to this podcast would be like, what is, uh, I don't even remember that. So definitely different world. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're better for it now. Yeah. Genuinely, the connectivity, the speed, the tech uh, and the usage. It's it's a great space to be in now because, you know, the hardware, the software, 5G, Wi-Fi, you know, non-WAP enabled, all of that kind of stuff has just just made it so much, so important, I guess, and so fundamental now of our lives. Yeah. 100%. 100%. There's a question that always comes up when it, we're talking to um, customers and someone asks you, what should I build a mobile app or should I build a mobile responsive website? What's your advice? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a question that comes up time and time again. Um, perhaps not as much now as, as it used to, because I think people have kind of accepted the app infrastructure. To me, though, it, there's a simple answer to this. If a business is looking to build a relationship with an individual through mobile technology, then an app is the most important thing. If it's more of a casual one-off experience, then a mobile website or or facilitation of your, you know, your digital website in the mobile space is probably the best way to look at it. Yeah. But you know, I think for most businesses, they are the former rather than the latter. Yeah. So so the apps are probably the way that they they want to go. Okay. Well, and that's a good segue actually, because you know, one of the things we talked about before and, and intrigued me, and I, I enjoyed our conversation from about a week ago, was when you develop an app. One of the hardest things is, you know, getting downloads, you can, you can buy traffic, whatnot, and then keeping those users engaged. It's a difficult process, particularly if you're not a utility that somebody's going to use daily. If you're a, a mobile game or you're a weather app or social app, it makes total sense. But if you're something that is maybe a great product, but you're going to go engage with it once a month or once every two or three months, the common refrain we hear is it's really hard to retain users and we end up finding we have a lot more engagement on the web. So I'm curious as we hone in on the app, how do you kind of advise clients to think through that user acquisition and retention journey and how do you help them find success with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the key things that sits at the heart of our business is app success and apps will only succeed 
or your app-driven business will only succeed if you're able to build a relationship and retain the users that have downloaded it. What we call that internally here is flipping the funnel. Um, and what that means is, whereas in traditional marketing parlance, you would be focusing on filling the top of the funnel, and then once you've got them into your, your shop or your web environment, they're going to interact. Whereas in the app space, you need to be focusing on the bottom of the funnel when the funnel's been flipped, which is the retention piece. Retaining those users and building some form of relationship is the only way that any business is going to succeed in the app space. Primarily because, two key reasons, most apps that are downloaded, the users will stop using that app within 30 days. 70 or 80% of those users will tend to, because it's a candy shop out there, there's so many other app businesses and, and opportunities for them to engage, whether that's in an entertainment perspective or from a news perspective, whatever it is. Yep. So, you know, there's so much choice. The second key thing is the fact that we tend to be using three or four apps more than anything, and they will be your weather app, your news app, your social media app, and so on. So that remaining sort of 20% of time that people are going to spend in the app space, there is this candy shop's worth of opportunity there. So you need to make sure that within that context, you are the one that keeps coming to mind. Yep. And that has to be done through a really strong tight CRM customer engagement program through the app itself and utilizing the tools that are available within that space. You know, we tend to veer more towards acquisition, right? Like I, I tend to think it's probably because it's more sexy and interesting. Do you see the kind of the app and the mobile space shifting more towards recognizing that it's as important for retention as it is acquisition? Or is this still relatively nascent from what you see? I think I think just coming back to your point there where you say, you know, where it's sexy, yep. you know, it's the obvious solution, isn't it? The problem is it's the hardest. People don't want to think about it because it's so much easier to tempt people in to come through the front door than it is to get them to stay in the shop, you know? And businesses, firstly, I think businesses, they don't want to think about it. They don't really understand what it's about or the importance of that. And secondly, coming back to your point, you know, it's very easy to take $10,000, put it on Facebook, generate, you know, 5,000 users or perceived to generate 5,000 users, bring them into the front door because you've got cause and effect straight away. Hey, I spent that money. I got these people to download the app. The problem is, as we've just discussed, 80%, 70, 80% of those people will not be in the app in a month's time. And the infrastructure that, you know, if you think about it, the way that the, the app industry has primarily been built is, is about, you know, the big players generating cost-effective ways of generating downloads, you yep. know, and that's, that's where the business has been built. And that's what you see when you, you see Google UA and Facebook and TikTok. It's all taught, you know, what they, they talk to app businesses, they're talking about, look, get a download, get a user, you know. But it's it's a bit of a smokescreen. It's a bit of smokescreen. It's hugely important. Don't get me wrong. You know, getting those people through the front door is absolutely essential. But even more important is the retention of them. Yeah. Well, it's in their best interest. Facebook and Google, they, they want to rent you users. They want your recurring user acquisition costs. They don't want you to actually retain users. And that's part of the issue. You know, it's a struggle for a lot of the people we work with where they have this opportunity is to shift more towards retention. 
Yeah, I, it's a really interesting way of, of looking at it. They want to rent your users rather than allow you to to bring them in and, and, and then be part and parcel of what you're offering. So yeah, well, I like it's it. It's one of the under-discussed topics is rental versus acquisitions area. Okay, back on topic. When you think about kind of measurement of ROAS and just ROI in general, as you work with a client around this notion of, of bringing people in the front door of the shop versus retaining them, what's sort of the general mix you you talk to them about? Like how do they structure that plan? Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting point to discuss. We could do a full yeah. podcast on that yeah. <laughs> sometime. There's, but, um, conference, there's like two or three day conferences on this alone. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, every app business is unique. They have their own bespoke requirements and, and targets. The most important thing that we would do in this instance, if we were talking to a client, to try and help define what that that is, is really look at what the business objectives, what what are they trying to achieve? You know, on one hand, it may be that they're looking to go for series A or series B, and therefore they need to build a volume of users and have some form of ongoing interaction with those users to be able to then go to the market to generate that, that, that series A investment. For others, it could be the number of times that somebody's going to play a game because they know that if that individual is playing, the, is going to play the game 10 times a day, that at some point within those 10 times, they're going to be paying to open a chest to get, you know, the gems that they need for whatever reason. So, you know, everything is, is, is bespoke. The, the most important thing I would say, though, is to really nail what the North Star metric is. What is the one most important thing? And it's not going to be downloads. It's not going to be clicks. It's not necessarily going to be registrations. And it's not necessarily going to be a purchase or a subscription. What is the real North Star? Is it getting somebody to the end of the first 12 months and they've had 12 months repeat subscriptions? If that is the case, then you build your strategy around that rather than just getting a registration or just getting a download. Um, And it's absolutely fundamental to the ongoing success of that ad business. Yep. Okay. That's sound. Back in, or start talking a little bit about the retention side. When you think about the, you, you talked about at a macro level, you know, really tight integration with CRM and engagement tools. What are the important strategic pillars within that? Right. Okay. I think I'd probably say that there's probably four key things I would say in this instance. Firstly, it's the data stack. So your attribution tools to ensure that you're able to track somebody from a click through the app store to a download and, and a first usage. And secondly, the in-app metrics to understand what they're doing within the app yep. and then joining it up. Because once you've got that data, it can then it will then help formulate every element of your comms from acquisition through to the recension. The second, I would say, is your creative messaging. And I think this is really, really important. Yep. Um, and it's something, again, that's not often talked about in the space because we're so used to being able to press a button and getting 15 different versions of your banner. And then the social media tools that you're using will then optimize those. The world's going to change again in the next, the, the app world's going to change again in the next six months, 12 months. When iOS 14 comes into play, the need for individuals to confirm that they're happy for their data to be utilized by that app business, most people won't accept that. And as a consequence of that, it's going to get harder and harder for some of the major networks out there 
to be able to provide that data for you to do specific targeting. So what we're probably going to have to do then is maybe consider what used to happen five, 10 years ago, which is where the message was just as important as the environment that that message was placed in. So I think creativity is really important, but it's going to become more important. What you say, how you say it, based on what your target audience is and how you portray that in the environments that you're going to be advertising in is going to be key. So I think that's probably the second pillar. I think the third, I would say, is test and learn. You know, spend wisely, invest carefully, get the learnings from what you have just done, and whether they're good or bad, act on those learnings when you then get into the next month. So text and learning strategy is key. And then the fourth element, which is what we've already talked about, is actually defining your, your North Star metric, really understanding what your ultimate goal is, and putting everything in place to try and deliver that. Yep, that's good. Um, and then as you have that, you know, what are the, specifically in retention and, and growing usage of, of users you've already, in either whether it's downloads or in this case with a mobile app, it'd be downloads. What are the most important channels you see to engage them, specifically around communication, messaging? Yeah, you, do you know what? I'm going to be very flippant. And then I'm going to give you a proper answer. So the flippant answer is the most effective channels are the channels that are delivering the cheapest long-term user. So it comes back to that point we're talking about testing and learning. So, you know, there's a huge amount of opportunity out there for every app business to be able to target their users or potential users and spend a bit of money bringing them in. Whether that's, you know, we've talked about it, Facebook or TikTok or Google UA through to dedicated app networks. App networks are great. You know, there's a really cost-effective way of delivering users. Advertising in podcasts because they're being listened to nine times out of 10 on mobile devices. So you're very close to being able to get somebody to click to download. Um, Influencers, that's been something that's really sort of picked up over the last three or four years. And coming back to what we were talking about before with iOS 14 on the horizon, I think those kind of channels, which perhaps weren't as popular a year or two ago when, you know, the likes of Facebook were were really honing in and very good at targeting and, and it was cost effective to use. I think they're going to start coming to the fore uh, over the next uh, the next year or two as well. How much are you advocating to a client to do retention through additional channels outside the app versus using what they already have access to, whether it's push permission, an email address, a phone number, in-app messaging, so that you're able to educate them and drive them within the experience of the app as they come back in versus actually market to them in these additional channels. When you think about that mix, what channels are important for retention and how much do you do use traditional marketing channels to drive retention versus the channels they have at their control? Yeah, I... I you know what? I'm a great believer. You know, people have engaged with the app. They've downloaded the app. They've registered with the app. That has to be the starting point. You're so close to the user that utilizing push in-app messaging driven through the app registration 
that has to be the most effective way. And it tends to be, in most cases, the most effective way of communicating with them. Then you can add the layer of, say, SMS on top of that if need be. And then outside of that, there are other channels and other communication tools that, that can be utilised. Um, but to me, they're always secondary or tertiary. You know, the focus has to be on utilising what's available through the app because it's just more effective. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how much history or experience or how much you advocate for the in-app messaging specifically. We've done some analysis and the data is pretty compelling in terms of helping drive education, driving subscriptions, you name it. But it's still a very small number of the overall percentage. It's still a minority of mobile apps that use it. Have you found that to be successful? And, and if so, why don't more apps utilize in-app messaging to be able to drive people around and educate them on the value of, of the experience? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting point, point of discussion that I think it's, you know, obviously, if somebody's in the app, there's an opportunity to deliver in-app messaging to them. You can't do that outside the app. So they have to be using that store analogy. You know, they have to already be in the shop for you to be able to communicate. And if you put your head into that environment, that shop environment, you've got directional messaging within the store to take them to different areas of the store for different offers. You know, you've got the messaging, you know, for discounts. So to my mind, utilizing an app, it helps direct people around the app for them to discover new areas and also to maybe help and educate people whilst they're in the app how to get the most out of it. It, it's a very different communication to my mind than it is, you know, traditional uh, push messaging to bring people back into the app. You know, the in-app messaging is more a directional and support tool. But but again, you know, again, a really important opportunity for for the app businesses to be able to build that relationship with their with their users. Yeah. What are the specific tactics that you've seen work? general, just high level in terms of retention from an audience perspective, help them understand the things you go to or things that you're like, hey, this is, you know, high level, always recommend as it relates to retention. Yeah. I mean, I mean, having, having a really solid communication strategy structure is something we would always, always push. Understanding how to speak to those users, what, what's the language that they that they like. When I say language, I don't mean, you know, is it Spanish or is it English? But, yeah. you know, so building out a clear understanding of how the app makes them feel, how they're utilizing the, the app business should feed back into that comms that comms strategy through your CRM stack. I think that's that's one key element. You probably gathered through the conversation we've had today. I'm a big keen on the language and the communication, not just the channels yep. and, and using them properly. And I think that's shrewd. I think not enough people talk about that. They get in the tactics and you're talking about the strategy. If you have the strategic layer right, you mentioned it earlier in a different vein. The reason why people go to the acquisition versus the retention is the acquisition is easy. All the industry set up around it. It's a very objective way. I'm going to spend X dollars and get Y users. The retention's hard. And I think the messaging is part of that. If you, to do the messaging right, it's hard. It's, it's opaque and it's not easy. So, um, okay, two last questions and then we'll, we'll, we'll let you go because I appreciate the time. Um, what's one really impactful or most impactful idea that you can share that you've seen deployed? 
Oh gosh, <laughs> you've caught me off guard there. Yeah. Um, so one one really impactful idea that that we've seen employed, I think, you know, funny enough, I was chatting to somebody earlier on today about this. I, I don't know if you know it, but the Headspace app, which is a mindfulness yep. app. Yep. One thing that always always you know stands out to me within that app is their use of animation within the explainer videos that they use throughout the app. I just think they capture the feeling, the context, and they make very complex issues very simple just through the minute and a half. And and I think to me, that's just always been a, a really, really strong, impressive way of of utilizing, you know, something that's available within the app space. Yeah. Well, and it goes to your messaging concept. Messaging doesn't necessarily have to be words. In this instance, it's a visual depicting and and making you feel this emotional reaction that's positive and connecting to the experience and meditation and calm and and centered. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And again, it's an area that that not enough is probably talked about in, in the app industry, but the visual representation, you know, within apps of messaging has so much more impact than, than the words themselves. And I think, again, we tend to focus more on on the words, the phrases, the descriptions, rather than the emotions that come through from the visualization of that, the color schemes, you know, the easy representation. When I say easy, it's really, really hard to do. But when it's done, it feels really, really easy to the consumer, you know, when they look at that imagery and it tells them, you know, we as, you know, humans, our brains are are very, very good at taking complex issues in a visual form, translating those very, very quickly. And it takes a lot longer to read a couple of sentences and get it, you know? So, you know, you're getting me into another area (laughs) that I'm very interested in, but, you know, the the visualization of of messaging within apps is, is something that I'm really interested in. Yeah, no, that's great. Okay, last question. When you look in a crystal ball, you know, what's your prediction of what the mobile app space looks like in, you know, say five years? <laughs> you know, that's probably one of the hardest questions you've got today. Um, I mean, as you know, I've been, I've been doing this for a very long time. It never ceases to amaze me how things change and how quickly they change within this app space. You know, it, it, it's one of the one of the joys of working in, in, in this particular business is seeing, you know, the energy and the technology uh, behind that and the investments that create, you know, big, big step changes. And you know, those big step changes happen far quicker, I believe, in the app space than than in the digital context or in any other sort of marketing business space. So I would be very careless if I was to say, this is what's going to happen in the next five years, because quite frankly, I have no idea. But what I do know is there will be businesses that are being set up today, this week, around people's kitchen tables, that will be, you know, hugely dominant in five years time. You know, look at Clubhouse, Stereo, two businesses that have just launched or launched last year that are now taking the world by storm. As we talk on this podcast, you know, there'll be other businesses that will will be changing the way that we utilize our mobile devices in the next two or three years time. Yeah, that's well said. And I agree. Thank you, Mick, for joining the podcast. It was a pleasure speaking with you and appreciate you being part of the, you know, One Signal 
community of partners now that we're, we're working together. Then I ho hope you have a great uh, rest of your day and week, and I look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Hey, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Please subscribe to the One Signal podcast at your preferred podcast directory, Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, and many more. If you're looking for a great customer engagement software, try OneSignal, used by over 1 million companies across the globe, and it's free to use and get started today. So have a great day. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate you. Take care. Bye.